Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Fishing for Men with Mac show. A super welcome to you for joining me in this episode. And for those of you who are listening for the first time, this channel is about fishing for men. That is evangelism. That is reaching out to people who don't believe in God, who don't know God. And there's a lot of stuff to discuss with people who are struggling to believe in God. And so this channel is really about a, a talk or a grappling with those things that lead people to God and those things that lead people away from God. And one of the biggest reasons in our world why people don't want to believe in God, don't want to believe that there is a creator, is because of suffering. At the moment, the world is suffering with COVID-19. One of the questions that I see people ask or imply over and over again on social media and in different, on different platforms is this. Did God send Corona? You see, when the human race is wrestling with suffering and pain and things that they can't control or they can't, they can't you know, um, come to grips with, then they, re then they turn to the gods and then they start debating whether God really exists. So today I'll be exploring this question. Did God send Corona? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm quite annoyed with social media because there are so many different stories and so many apparent truths presented by different people, presented by different news agencies. I mean, you literally don't know anymore what is true and what isn't true. You, you, you really can't go into Facebook and try and figure out what is true and what's not true. You can't go into YouTube and figure out what's true and what's not true. I, I, you know, I don't believe anything anymore that is not backed up at least by a few news agencies that has got some uh, legitimacy to them. And please, 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 please don't go onto YouTube and think that you're going to find truth there. I mean, I've seen so many YouTube videos that's just hogwash. I mean, if you want to believe, if you want to know whether aliens exist or not, and you go onto YouTube, you're probably going to walk out of there and believe that aliens exist because there will be some videos there that will sort of convince you. You know what? We can't even trust the videos that go around because it's so easy nowadays to make videos of stuff and apparently, you know, that apparently looks real. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, it isn't. Um, so in any case, one of the topics that has been making the rounds is about whether the coronavirus has been fabricated by people or if it had developed in animals. Now, I've seen apparent experts being interviewed on this. I mean, almost every second day, somebody's talking about that. Some videos posted on social media um, about that. I saw today a documentary released about it where the journalist claims the virus was manufactured in China by some virologist and her team. And the structure of the virus is of such a nature that it seems highly unlikely that it developed naturally. So it, it's sort of a hybrid virus taken from bats and tweaked in such a way that it can enter the human cell. Now, I've got no idea how this, this works, but it seems like the big thing is how can something from an animal enter a human cell? And, and apparently this, this virus um, has, got, has got receptors, protein receptors. I think that's what it is that can uniquely enter the human cell. And they say that's the key um, and that's the, the answer to where it comes from. It must have been manufactured. It couldn't have developed like this naturally. So, uh, you know, I saw that documentary this morning. A video has been, uh, you know, has been sent around about how a, the CIA has arrested and charged a professor in the States for collaborating with the university in Wuhan in the creation of this virus. But, you know, I look at that video. I don't even know. I don't have time to go check where the video comes from. But you, you don't even know 
um, if it's a recent video, if it's an old video, whether it's associated with the current virus situation, um, you know, to be honest, most of these things are just speculation. I mean, you can't really trust anything. So I like facts. Many people want China to take responsibility because somebody has to be blamed for the virus. Uh, do we blame the Communist Party of China for this worldwide suffering? Do we blame the Chinese people for their reckless and disgusting eating habits of strange animals? What is it going to be? Or what about this? Do we blame God? That's the big question. Is, is God the one behind all of this? When, when the human race finds itself in a position where they, where they can't solve a disease, can't solve suffering, can't solve an issue, then you know people have this tendency to turn to God. Now, I've, I've read a few articles this week where people uh, question and answer this type of thing. Like, for example, James Martin uh, wrote for the New York Times in an article, Where is God in a pandemic? And his answer is this, we don't know and we won't have any idea. But then he goes on to say, but it's a good time to be like Jesus. You see, Jesus lived in a time of serious public health issues and he had compassion on the sick. And so this points us to Jesus to be more like him. According to him, we should be more concerned about the how. How are we going to help people who are sick than about the why? Why did the virus start? Where did it start? Is it from China? Is it from God? Where does it come from? We should be more engaged with how we can stop the virus. Be compassionate to those infected. More than trying to figure out what God's role is. Um, and so his point is basically that Jesus didn't spend much time talking about why people suffer. But he, he, he took his time and he, and he helped the people that were suffering. And maybe that's a good idea. Rolf Drollinger uh, apparently leads the weekly Bible study, for, uh, Bible study group for President Donald Trump. Sorry, And he said in the middle of March that this crisis represents an act of God's judgment. He blames the coronavirus pandemic on God's wrath. And he says it's got to do with China and the way that they do things, the, the communism, that it's got to do with gay people and that it's got to do with these extreme environmentalists. And God is bringing judgment on on these types of people. So from his perspective, yes, it comes from God. Um, Rabbi Abraham Cooper read his article in his blog, The Media Line, Trusted Mideast News. He says, don't blame God, blame Beijing and Tehran. And so he's essentially saying that we should not look to find the uh, finger of God in this, but look at ourselves as the human race. Nobody, you can't blame God for something that humans did. Um, so, yeah, you see, there's widespread opinion about what this is. So I thought I'd talk about that f for a moment. And um, just want to point out to you the great objection that people have, regardless of whether it was God or not. Atheists are obviously having a wonderful time uh, at this moment when people suffer and, and things like not because people suffering but because it sort of it proves suffering proves in their minds that God does not exist um, so whether it was started by God or not um, it, this is really issue about whether God exists or not and about his nature and so many of the atheists would point out this following argument um, and it's called the inconsistent triad and it's very simple to understand let me explain it to you like this. God is all-powerful, therefore God can prevent suffering. Right? But God does not prevent suffering, therefore God is either not all-powerful or not all-loving. And if he lacks in any of these two attributes, then he is not a God. 
So to put it in other words, more relevant to our current situation, let me point you to an article titled, Is God to Blame for the Coronavirus by Bruce Geringser? In this, he says it the following way. If God is all-powerful and all-loving, as Christianity claims, then surely he can and wants to stop the virus. If he can stop the virus, but he won't, then surely he is not all-loving. If he wants to stop the virus, but can't, then surely he is not all-powerful. I hope that you get that argument. So there's, there's two things here. Let me just summarize it. God is all-loving and he's all-powerful. It seems like he can't be both of those at the same time because then he would have stopped the virus because he loves us and he cares about us. Right? And if he doesn't stop the virus, then it means he doesn't love us. Or he's not powerful. He can't do it. You see the argument. You see where it goes. So it seems like there's this battle in the minds of unbelievers between the love of God and the power of God. Now, I'd like to respond to this uh, inconsistent triad. And let me just say this, you know, um, today's a show about this topic and I'm going to continue with it next week because there's some more things to say. But I'm just going to respond to this inconsistent triad uh, argument that people bring up. And I'm just going to point out two things. Um, you know, this this argument sounds rational and clever on the surface, but it isn't. Uh, just a few things, two things from my side that I think will make this argument crumble. First of all, let me say this. God is not all-powerful. God is not all-powerful. And I know that many of the believers, uh, people of faith like me, you are you are sitting there, you're thinking, uh, what? How could you say that? Of course, God is all-powerful. I mean, look, think about all the scriptures. Matthew 19, 26. With God, all things are possible. Luke 1, 37. Nothing is impossible with God. Jeremiah 32, 17. Oh, Lord, it is you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Job 42, verse 2. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. So, yes, the Bible does say that God can do anything. Truly and sincerely, he must be all powerful. Well, God has given us some of his power. And if he's given us some of his power, then it means that he's no longer all-powerful. But just hang in me. Don't worry about it. You, it's going to make sense now. Okay. What I mean is this. God has given us the power to make our own decisions. He's given us that power to make our own decisions. We call it free will. All the power doesn't belong to him anymore because he's given some power to us. I can pick up a pen now and I can drop it. I'm using the power that God has given me to, to bring into action. Of course, he can take back my power at any time. But if he does that, then we become remote control humans. If God is all powerful and he just does what he thinks is best all over the show, and then he's, we're all just going to become remote control humans. And that's not the nature of how God created the human race. That's not the nature of how he created the world. He created the world. He placed human beings on the world and he told them, rule over the animals, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. I'm giving you authority. I'm giving you this power. God has given us power to run the world. God didn't make you listen to this podcast. It was your own decision. God's power is effective to the point where we have free will. Now, here's a key thing that I don't think we, we get always. God will not violate my free will. He will not violate my free will. Because if he did, 
then this would have been a robotic world. We will all just be robots, and this would be a puppet show where God is pulling all the strings. But that's not the nature of how God created the world. He wants us to love each other freely, to act freely, to make our own decisions, to rule with the brains that He has given us, to choose Him freely or reject Him freely. It's free will. Now let's bring this back to the coronavirus. Who spreads the virus? We through our daily actions or is it God? Who created the virus? Human free will or God? The virus didn't fall out of the sky. It came from among us. Well, the results are not out yet, but I think it was created by us in one of two ways. Either because we abuse animals, in other words, we use our free will, or it was manufactured to, to have an economical impact globally. Could God stop it? Yes, He could. But then He would violate the free will that He has given us. God has given us power to rule the animal kingdom, to make or break, to develop or destroy if He has given us the power to do things, then we must take responsibility for the consequences and not blame Him. We are happy to have free will until our free will gets us into trouble and then we want God to intervene. We don't want Him to intervene when we sleep around out of lust. We want free will to do what we want. But when we pick up HIV, then suddenly we want access to His all-powerfulness to heal us. No, God says, I'll give you power to make decisions and I'll help you make those decisions, but you've got to take responsibility for how you use that power. No. Ladies and gentlemen, God has given mankind free will to do good or bad. And we need to take responsibility for the power and the consequences of using that power. So we need to pause and ask ourselves carefully. What do we prefer? God has all the power, rules all of our lives, rules the whole world, makes all our decisions for us. We have no choice. We have no free will. You live in a world like that. Or God sets us free. We can do what we want, make our own decision and take responsibility for those decisions. Be a free agent or be a robot. So just to point out, first of all, I hope you're getting the point here. God is all-powerful. It's true that He could change anything. He could change the minds and the hearts of people. But He has deliberately given people free will. He's given them the power to make decisions for themselves and to, to bring about actions that they want to bring about. And so in that sense, God is not all-powerful because He's given some of that power to us. And we need to take responsibility for how we use that power. Secondly, God is omniscient and sovereign. He's omniscient and sovereign. And this is really important. We are not omniscient or sovereign. And what I mean by omniscient is know everything. If we don't know everything, how could we even try and think we can do like God does? Like, like, how, how could, if, if I don't know everything, how could I possibly, like this guy says in that argument, in that, in that blog of his, say, surely God would do this if he's this. How, how could I even make a statement like that? I don't know everything. If God is who he says he is, and indeed he is the mind be all that is behind all that is created, how in heaven's name could a human being with such a small brain question things he doesn't have a clue about? Presidents who are highly qualified reckon that they can run a country and still many people die and there are many casualties and many sufferings. 
I mean, I'm busy watching this series on um, Netflix called Designated Survivor. He had this guy, suddenly, he's the only survivor. They've killed, they've, they've, they've bombed basically the president and everybody else, you know, in the leadership of the United States. And he's the, I think he's 11th in line. Now suddenly, the morning he wakes up and he's the minister of um, housing or something. And then he wakes up and suddenly he's the president of the United States. Now he needs to rule this country and make decisions in difficult situations. And you know what? People are sitting on the silence saying, you're making dumb decisions. Other people say you're making good decisions. I mean, here's a president, a human, and people are saying, I don't agree with your decision. Well, let that person then become president and see how it goes. You don't know what it feels like to be president. And it's just interesting for me that there's so many people who can sit and make statements about God, uh, thinking that they know what it's like to run the universe. It's ridiculous. People write articles, think that they could run the world better. They could run the world universe better. And not for four years, but for eternity. Just listen carefully to these words again. If God is all powerful and all loving, then surely, then surely what? Surely according to your thinking, he can and, and wants to stop the virus. If he can't stop the virus, but he won't, then surely he's not all loving. If he wants to stop the virus, but can't, then surely he's not all powerful. Very interesting that word surely, uh, surely according to his limited brain. It's as if this guy is mocking the actions and thinking patterns of the creator of the universe. Our brains are even, our brains is not even big enough to understand our world. I think it's extremely arrogant. The greatest scientists in the world has more questions about the universe than they've got answers. And this is the stuff that God has made. And then you get people who question the rationality of God's ways through their limited little brains. That's to bring God down to a human level. Now, I'm not trying to be rude or irrational saying God is too big to understand his ways. That's not what I'm saying. But if God is who he claims to be, then it is the truth. Let us test this. Think of this word omniscient, all-knowing, and just walk with me quickly. Just let's use a, a story, and, and I hope that you can with me just quickly imagine this. The coronavirus spreads. A 67-year-old lady gets infected and she dies. Okay? People are in outrage. Why didn't God stop it? Okay. Could God have stopped it? Yes, he could have. You think it's irrational of God. Well, here's the question. Do you have the full picture? Do you know everything? Let's talk about it. Name all the people who will be impacted by a death positively and negatively within the next week. Name all the people. Name the emotions that are going to go into the hearts and minds of those people who will be impacted by her death. Okay, let's just, I mean, let's just explore that. Could, could we accurately, scientifically write down or document the impact that this one lady's death is going to have on the immediate people surrounding her and how that will spread then to other people in society and how that will affect the rest of their lives? Let's go into the next generation and name the ways how her death has impacted the people that were impacted by her death. Into the next generation. A hundred years from now. Could we measure how her death had an impact in somebody's life a hundred years from now? Let me use an example. Maybe she's got a grandson. And her death made him really wake up and think to, to, to think carefully about his career 
And so he starts following a career, let's say, for example, in the nursing industry, because he realized his, his granny died because of because of bad nursing, for example, in the coronavirus out, outbreak and something. And so he becomes a nurse. And so he he eventually becomes a doctor and he becomes extremely wealthy and he raises his kids in a certain way. And that all of that, all of the outflow of this one person's death goes into somebody's career, goes into that person's children, goes into that those children's children. It goes in intergenerationally. Can we measure that? Can we really measure the impact of one person's death into the next generation? Look at how that death has produced emotions that have broken or inspired people to pursue careers that has provided for generations to come. You see where this is going. You see how difficult it is for us to really measure whether somebody's death was worth it or not, whether it was worth it to stop somebody's death or not. And then you can add eternity to it as well. Go and show how this one person's death has impacted eternity. How can, which human being can measure that? We can't measure the full impact and the consequences of a person's death, but we want to say to God, stop that person's death. And he's like, my brew, you don't have all the info. You're making a bad judgment. You've got no clue what you're talking about. I know what I'm doing. I'm running the world. Right? We stand here and say, God, you could have stopped this death. We look at now at face value and God is like, you have no idea how this one death is impacting the next generation, the next four generations or even eternity. Get all the info, get the facts, get the intergenerational projections, get the eternal consequences before you make a judgment. And then you can come to me and you can debate with me whether I make a good decision or not because your brain is too finite. You can't even go and do that research properly. God doesn't have to give us answers, ladies and gentlemen. He doesn't have to give an answer for the reason why he doesn't intervene. He will do what is just and right. And to think that you know what God will surely do is to think that you can think like a God. God spoke our brains into existence. Well, he made it out of dust. Our small, finite gray matter in our skulls. We can't even comprehend the creation. Never mind the creator. So let me conclude for this week. Um, you know, this is a complex topic and there's much to say and, you know, lots of stuff to debate in here. And, you know, I'm just throwing out my understanding here. But let me just recap what I've been trying to say with my two points so far. If we want God to use all his power, we must give our power, our free will back to him. If we want God to use all his power and we want him to run this world in line with his desire, the the world is not always going to go in the desire, in, in the direction that God wants it to go and the reason for that is because he has given us free will and he's given us freedom to use our free will does god want people to die does god want to people to die through a crime does god want people to have cancer no god doesn't want any of those things but he has given us free will and free will and sin and all leads to suffering and that's a discussion for another day we can't blame god for that but even if we even if we had a choice to give our free will back to god we wouldn't because we like controlling our own lives. Well, until things happen that we can't control, then suddenly we want God to intervene. I'm not saying that all suffering is our fault. I, I do, however, believe that 90% of all suffering is caused by humans on themselves. Either I'm causing the suffering myself or somebody else's um, sin or, or mess is affecting me. But that's another discussion for another day. Now, we need to take responsibility for our actions, carry the consequences, and not only ask God to intervene in the bad situations. God is trying to intervene for good in our lives permanently, but we ignore Him. 
He asks us daily to hand over our, our own free will to him in the sense of saying, Father, here's my life. Take control of it. I give you permission. I give you back my free will. So you could use us to be a blessing to the world. But we refuse to do that. And so we've got to take the consequences of how we use our free will. And the second point, just to recap that, if God is a God, if God is God and humans are humans, don't think for one moment that we can think like he does. We can think like he does in the things that he reveals to us, but not for one moment think that we can really accurately think like God. It's irrational for a human to judge the irrationality of God. If it was not irrational, then God wouldn't be God. So we need to learn to make judgments about things we can't control and not about the things that we can't control because the things outside of our control is in God's domain. So in next week's podcast, I'll discuss further ideas related to the issue at hand. Does God cause suffering? If God does allow suffering, why would he? Does God see all people who suffer the same? So I would like to challenge you to stay tuned for next week's um, podcast. Love you all. And I, I would like to invite you. I haven't really done it on the show, but I'd like to invite you to send me any thoughts or questions you might have or disagreements. Um, I think on, on the pod being um, at the bottom of the podcast, you can write in some comments and things like that. Or you can WhatsApp me on 076-970-8738. Please don't be, um, you know, please send me your opinions or, or you can email me at magielgreiling at gmail.com feel free to connect we'd love to add ideas to the show I don't have the answers for everything but I'd like us to wrestle with these things that are very very real love you guys have a super week cheerio bye